Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork, A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I'm joined by the man in royal purple, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you doing today? Fabulous. Christian, good to be with you. Always great to see you. And and I, man, I, I'm, I'm lucky to be awake today. I mean, I went, uh, God, it was late, late, late last night, and had to get up at 4 a.m. To, to catch an early morning flight to get uh, to get home this morning. Oh my goodness! Where were you traveling from? Where were just you? Be, just Bend, Oregon. You know, it's it's, it's a short flight, but uh, my, my my plane left at six, and so I had to. It, it's a it's a little drive from Bend to the airport, but it's beautiful. You know, I have never been to Bend before. I've been all over Oregon, but for some reason, I've just not seen that town, and it is a it's a beautiful place. I've never been there either. I've never been there. So what is it like? I mean, is it mountainous? Is it a lot of pine trees? Is it really green? What does it look like there, Ben? Yeah, really interesting. So it's kind of a high desert, but there's a river, the Deschutes River, that runs through it. That's where the Bend gets its name on this Bend River. And it, it is a beautiful little town, about 120,000 people. And all around it, there are, uh, it, it's like a juniper type of, of pine. And then just to the west is are the Cascade Ranges. And there's these huge beautiful mountains called the Three Sisters, and they're all over 10,000 feet, and so they're just, it's kind of like, you know, being at Denver looking to the east at the Rockies, but these are the the Cascades, and it's just a outdoor wonderland. I mean, there's so much to do there. It is, I mean, if you love mountain biking, if you love four-wheeling, if you love snowmobiling, skiing, just anything you can do outside, it's, it's an amazing place. Well, are you going to add the three sisters to your list of mountains to to climb? Well, at least one of them. I'd like to climb, you know, one of those sisters. (laughs) I was actually thinking about that, and it's such a luxury to have the time to climb climb a mountain, so. That that is definitely true. That is definitely true. Uh, Well, unbeknownst to probably most people in the world, we actually had a holiday uh, over the weekend here in Utah. Uh, celebrating Pioneer Day, the days that the pioneers arrived in the Salt Lake Valley. Uh, did you do anything fun with your family over that uh, holiday weekend? I, I, I didn't. I was working on Saturday and uh, presenting to an organization in Chicago for half the day, and then my wife and I just chilled, and we watched, uh, watched a movie at home while the fireworks were going on outside. Boring. What about you? No, sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> Uh, we we had a barbecue with uh, with some of our children who are in town and uh, an extended family as well. So so that was nice. We just had a bunch of people over to the house, and uh, and it was enjoyable. All right. Last week, Spencer, we had a really really interesting podcast on brand, our personal brands, and <laughs> then we thought, well. Maybe we should get a brand expert to come on this show Absolutely. and uh, have a conversation, continue the conversation about brands. And so, uh, Spencer, why don't you introduce our amazing guest that we have today? Thank you, Christian, for sure. We have Ernie Harker today, and he is a rising star in the public speaking circuit. You know, part of the National Speakers Association and uh, met him not long ago and, and so impressed with him. He's just incredible energy, just great experience and just an incredible personality. And he's got an uncommon approach to brand development. His uh, 29-year career as an illustrator, writer, designer, creative director, and video producer, actor. I didn't know you were an actor, Ernie. I, I can't wait to hear about that. And marketing executive. Give him you know, some rare insights into how brands are built and, and how they are really 
benefiting an organization, hurting an organization and in, in, in how they fail. And so he recently wrote this book called Your Brand Sucks, which is the theme of today. I, I thought it was so great. You, you know, your brand sucks. And, I, I, you know, hopefully it, it tweaked a few people. But it, it's a must-have marketing bestseller that provides new insights into why most companies get branding wrong and what they can do to get it right, which, which I am so excited to hear about. So really buckle up. We're going to have some fun. Let me bring uh, Ernie right on the, uh, on the show here. There he is. And uh, welcome, Ernie. Good to have you. Thank you for having me, you guys. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> so Ernie, it is, it's awesome to have you. So here's what I want to know. What, okay. what are, what's the biggest mistakes that, that organizations get when they're, that cause their brand to suck? Thank you for asking that question. What a great setup. Here's the challenge. Most businesses, when they first start up, they think we need a business card and a website. And so they start thinking about logos and websites right off the bat without really understanding the, the design choices they're making are actually going to influence the brand a certain direction. Like for example, easy. My favorite color is red. And so I'm going to put red into my brand about um, uh, maybe it's, it's a kitten baby bath, you know, product. It's like red will probably not be a great color to go with a kitten baby bath product. You probably want something softer, more gentle, where red is an aggressive color. But anyway, most people get branding wrong because they, they approach it as a graphic design exercise instead of a strategy that communicates their unique difference to a very specific audience very intentionally. So, so give us an example of, of that. I mean, I, and I know you've worked on some famous brands, certainly out here in the West uh, of the United States, there's a, there's a brand, you know, Maverick that, that uh, many of us are familiar with. Maybe we, we have people yeah. that listen all over the world, Ernie. And, um, so they may not be familiar with that, but it is a, a C-Store brand. Is that right? That's right. That's right. So yeah, Maverick is a convenience store chain. And talk about an unremarkable business model. Like in this industry, you sell, every, every uh, convenience store sells 90 plus percent of the same products the other guy sells. So talk about a need to differentiate in the marketplace you absolutely have to give a, a customer a reason to choose your Snickers and your Coca-Cola versus the other guy's Snickers and Coca-Cola. So if you've got an option at every corner, it seems like, why would somebody choose you? What, uh, your gas prices are lower? Which means if your gas prices are lower, you're going to make less money. So, so this is really interesting. There's actually a, a C brand that I love that I've discovered recently. My my daughter had encouraged me to go, but I was just driving through Texas with my son on the way. Don't from tell Salt me Lake. Bucky's. Bucky's. Don't tell me Bucky's. <laughs> but here's why. But here's why they actually sell the Coke and everything that you're talking about for less. So they don't make their money on that because they have their own brand. You know, Bucky's Nuggets or whatever. You know. Yeah whatever silliness that is. But here's why I'm so impressed with it. Because as I was driving 34 hours across the United States, there was not one bathroom that was clean except for Bucky's. 
To yeah. me, that was, I mean, they have like 94 urinal stalls in their bathrooms. Oh, and I was like, every yeah. one of them was clean. I, to me, yeah. that was, a, that was a, a non-sucky brand. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So here's <laughs> what's crazy about, about Bucky's. And I've been to Bucky's multiple times. I've became friends with Don Wasik, the, uh, one of the founders, because I had to know what in the world was going on. Now, just to, I'm going to paint a picture of Bucky's for you. Most convenience stores, most convenience stores across the country, you might have eight to 12 fueling stations where you can pull up, you pull the handle out, and you start filling up your car with gas. Bucky's, their normal stores, have nearly 100 of these filling stations. Yeah, and they don't Christian. allow truckers to come. These are, this is for consumers. <laughs> this is for consumers. And, and I'm like, okay, I can imagine. So I've actually talked to Don. I said, Don, I would have loved to have been in the boardroom when you guys were discussing this idea. So here's what we're going to do, guys. Most convenience stores have like 10 to 12 fueling things, maybe 16 if they're big. Let's do 100. I can imagine <laughs> the investors going, that is overkill. That's ridiculous. You'll never be able to get the volume of customers to fill up and utilize all those fueling stations. Oh, and here's what else they're going to do. You know those convenience stores are usually about 2,000 to 3,000 square feet? We're going to triple it or quadruple it. Now we have real estate that is like very expensive real estate, off the freeway real estate, that now we have to, to, to sell. How can you sell? And then what we're going to do? You know, instead of having two bathrooms per, per gender, we're going to have, like like you said, like 16 to 30. And it's like, okay, dude, you're just dream world now. You are in dream world because this is not just an advancement in convenience store experience. This is like going to Mars instead of the moon. Like way harder, <laughs> way bigger. But they did it because they're audacious. And we love them because they're audacious. <laughs> Bucky the Beaver, Christian. Sorry, I just had to put that in there. But oh, he's uh, awesome. Oh, I think that's Beautiful I think that's company. fantastic. Uh, but you've got to continue the story. I mean, because okay, so they've got these massive. Uh, this is their differentiator, right? They've got a hundred yeah. pumps. Yeah. They got thirty urinals. They've they've got twelve thousand square foot stores. Yeah, that's the yeah. differentiator. What's the yeah. impact of that? You know, because because it it does buck the con the conventional wisdom, pun intended yeah. or not. Yeah. <laughs> He totally <laughs> uh, was clearly unintended. <laughs> so here's the thing. We as humans, we love to hang out with people that we love. We, there's, there's an attraction. And we, so we choose people based on their personality. And we spend time with people based on their personalities. So we choose to do business with people based on their personalities as well. And we don't want to be with boring people. We don't want to hang out with boring people. We want to go all out with like a really cool and interesting uh, personality. So when Bucky's comes out with an experience that is unlike anything else, we are attracted to it. We are drawn to it. It gives us a reason to go get my same products. You know, I can, I can get my same Cheetos and Snickers and Coca-Cola at any place. But the reason I go to Bucky's is because of the experience that they have intentionally designed and architected to make me feel different when I go in. I go in, I go, 
this is like freaking Disneyland for convenience. Yeah, because there's, there's, a, there's a beaver walking around and you can get beaver underwear. Yes, you can. You can get beaver branded underwear. Bucky's. <laughs> Bucky's branded underwear. And you can get, they sell smokers like grills out right, there. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what are the, those, those, like, what are those big uh, coolers that they have? And, yep. and what are those like called? Like Yeti coolers. Yeti those big, coolers. Yeah. I mean, you, it, it's like a Costco. It's unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. But I, the big thing about their brand is they have developed something that differentiates them uh, from everybody else. And that's one of the secrets of brand development. So go back to what what we get wrong. I mean, what what I heard you say is we start off with something that we like. We start off with maybe a, a design feature, mm -hmm. and we build a brand around that. And you were going down the road, and, and I, I steered you away. I apologize. But you were starting to talk about targeting a, a specific market. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? You betcha. So um, oftentimes, we as business owners, we develop things that we like personally, in this, and this is especially wrong if we are not the customer. So it, I use a fishing metaphor quite a bit because if you go fishing, any, any good fisherman will say, you need to know exactly what fish you're going after so that you can get the right bait and go to the right bodies of water where they swim. So my, here's my experience. My dad, he's an old dude, he's in his 80s and he wanted to tie flies and he wanted to go fly fishing. I mean, he's, he became a fly fisherman. I found myself at, on the Grays River in Wyoming, which is like world-class fly fishing. So I grab his rod, and then I grab his little box of fuzzy things with hooks on them, and I am going to be a fly fisherman, and I'm going to pull all these fish out of the river. So I tie some flies onto my my, my uh, string and I, or my lead, and I'm out there. Do, like I'm like, river runs through it. I'm, I'm like... Beautiful morning, I'm fishing. And guess what? Nothing's biting. No bites, not a single. And so I, I conclude, there's no fish in this water because I'm an awesome fisherman and I am working really, really hard. And I try a different bait and I fish with it and I'm fishing and I'm moving around the river and I'm fishing, no bites. The problem is, and this is what we do is in marketing all the time, whether you're a personal brand or a company brand, we forget about our audience and they're what they like, what they want. In fact, Bruce Turkel, brilliant branding guy, also a speaker. He always he wrote a book called "It's Not a, It's All About Them." It's all about them, which is true. What what marketing message and what brand appearance and package is attractive to your customer? What bait is attractive to the fish? And you need to know what the fish are or your customers are, so you can find the right bait. And then you got to go find out where they are swimming. What media channels do they subscribe to? Um, are they, do they watch the news? Do they read the paper? Are they on, uh, do they follow uh, influencers on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or whatever? If you know who your customers are, you can fashion the right bait to attract them and then be where they, where they are. <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> thanks for the bumper there. I, I love the fish analogy because I, I did a lot of fishing when I was younger with my grandfather. And uh, uh, 
And I think the the one thing that uh, that you mentioned is, that is quite important as well is is you have to know what kind of fish you want, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. so doesn't good if I have bait and tackle that's set up for bass if I'm fishing for trout and yeah. uh, and vice versa. <clears throat> but there are a lot of different kinds of fish, and sometimes we get a little confused as leaders, as business owners, or as executives thinking that we have to go after all the fish. Yeah. Yep. So how do you decide which fish you want to you you want to uh, get your tackle ready for because I could be fishing for trout and uh, end up catching carp or you know I'm yep. they're 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 you know I got right. trout and walnut walleye and largemouth bass and smallmouth bass and perch and you know all kinds of different fish out there and so catfish you know <laughs> uh, yep. but maybe I'm a trout guy and so I need to be fishing for trout where trout live right yeah so your question is how do you determine what fish or what your customer is who who will you target and so um first of all let me explain why that's important have you ever given a gift to a couple like christmas gift to a couple okay are they both happy Mm, not very often you give them a gift certificate to um a steakhouse the guy's going right on, dude. You the got the best gift ever, and she's going. Well, I don't eat meat. I, I'm trying to eat salad, so this is really a gift for you. Or somebody gives a gift of like some wall hanging, and the guy's going, "This was a complete waste. This was a bust for me." And she's going, "This is the best couple's gift ever." And so it's the same thing when we when we um, market to a customer. Not everything is attractive equally to everyone. What's attractive to my 12-year-old son, what he finds really interesting, I do not. He laughs like crazy at TikTok videos that I'm like, I I don't even understand why you're laughing. So in order to fashion a bait, fashion a marketing message, a product, a message, right, to my son, you would have to use language, visuals, maybe an endorsement that would be highly attractive to him that would completely miss me. I wouldn't even care. Billy who? Billy Irish? Is she, is she Irish? Is that why she's a big deal? But he, she, he's like, that's well, like a household name. To me, it's like, I, I don't know who it is. I don't listen to that stuff. So that's knowing who your customer is allows you to fashion that right information. So how do you find your customer? The biggest trick is, or the biggest tip is, where are most of your customers coming from? What, what type of person male, female, age range, salary range, industry, all those kinds of things. Who is most likely to appreciate your unique difference and product and be willing to pay for it? That's, that's, your, that's your demographic. So for example, in the convenience store industry, we call that person Bubba. Bubba is somebody, because think about this, not all customers are created equal. If you've got a guy in a suit and he's got he's got to fill up his his uh, Mercedes with gas. He's probably going to you know get in, grab a pack of gum, maybe a diet coke, and he's going to be on his way. Um, now contrast that to somebody like uh, um, like Jim or Jose, and uh, and I'm not I don't mean to be racial at all in this because basically what we're talking about is people who work with their hands. They drive trucks. What does that mean? They need fuel. 
they are not diet conscious. What does that mean? They like to buy food. They want, they're thirsty. They're working in the sun. So a convenience store for them is ideal. They show up, they fill up their, their vehicle with fuel. They load up energy drinks, uh, snacks, candy, uh, maybe a breakfast item for lunch because they're driving to their next job. They grab something for lunch, maybe get a few energy drinks, and on the way home, they buy some beer. Now, that is a really good customer. And we, and if I had, say I had $100 to spend on, on customer acquisition, why would I spend that $100 on mom? Mom is like, kids, don't eat another treat. That's the last treat, right? Or... I'm just going to go in and out. And because if, if you've ever been a mom before, like if I'm as a dad, I've got the kids in the car. The last thing I want to do is stop at a gas station where they can get out and run around because that's a nightmare trying to pull them back in and they're spilling stuff and breaking stuff. So it's like, don't, don't focus on, on those people focus on your core. And here's the thing. You will always get tertiary market sales and marketing are different. Uh, market to a very defined customer base, sell to everyone. Everyone will, who's coming in to buy, we say yes. Yep, come on in. But we market to the people most likely to buy our product or service, not people who could buy our product or service. That's for Jose. Bueno, gracias. <laughs> no, I, I, I like gracias. that. Why not secondary, just tertiary? So, so let's transition to, um, you know, we're talking a lot about uh, a corporate brand. So, so what are the benefits of a, let, let's start, let, let's stay with that corporate brand for a second, but what does that strong brand do for a team of, of an organization, uh, let's say? So, um, so why invest in branding to, um, or what does an investment in branding do for the team, the, the, the employees, the management, stuff like that? Right. That's it. So here's the thing. Uh, in today's world, it's not like my dad's world. My dad did work to make money, and it didn't matter to him if he felt welcomed, if he felt loved or appreciated. There was none of that. Today, it's like, People want to feel like they're contributing. They want to be a part of a culture that believes in what they believe. They want to stand for something. And so a brand, part of that brand is what it, what it stands for, what its purpose is. And if that's not clearly articulated to the, the um, end customer, it certainly won't be articulated to the employee. And so what happens is employees go, employees go, Hey, where do you work? Oh, I work for company XYZ. Oh my gosh, their products are awesome. That's the coolest brand ever. Now, what does that do for the employee? I want to stick around. I've got status because I work for a, a company that has a strong brand. Now imagine, Hey, I work for company B. Oh, really? Sorry about that, dude. It's like those guys suck. Um, how long am I going to stay employed? Even if I'm highly valued in that in that uh, uh, industry or that company. I am embarrassed to tell people I work for a brand that isn't attractive to its customer. So it, so first, first part is 
um, it, there's a sense of pride and belonging to an organization that looks and feels the way you as an employee want to be held, uh, be, um, be viewed like Maverick. The Maverick convenience store chain is about high energy adventure. It's really cool and kind of like Red Bull, right? So if someone said, Hey, you work for Red Bull, people would go, Oh, that's the coolest. You know, that's a cool brand, right? Uh, versus, I don't know, a, a, a drinking brand like, uh, say, Nestle. Nestle is like, oh, that's that's a fun brand. I, okay, whatever, you know. But it's not cool. Gatorade would be kind of a, well, that's kind of a cool brand. It's, you're an athlete. You're you're some athlete, athletically minded. Um, so where you work, what business you're in, reflects your brand and your personality to the to your friends and associates. That's really interesting, Ernie. Uh, I, I, I experienced that firsthand, uh, not as an employee, but as a consultant, right? So I do a lot okay. of work with the International Olympic Committee. Anytime anybody hears anything about Olympic Games, they think that's the coolest thing ever. And I have to say, you know, I, I feel very, very fortunate and very honored to work with the International Olympic Committee and to work with that brand. That being said, uh, there are event organizers that sometimes it's very difficult environment. And so uh, even though you might be very proud of the, you know, to be associated with the brand because it gives you yourself a little bit of an ego boost. It's like, yeah, I work, I work for the Olympic games and, and, it, and it sounds amazing. Sometimes the corporate culture is not aligned with this brand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and that causes problems because then you get people who come in very, very excited to work there and then become disillusioned because they're yeah. like, well, I thought this represented A and I'm experiencing yeah. B. Yeah, there's some so dissonance how do there, I, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, and you, maybe this is a question for you as well, Spencer, is like, what do we do to get better alignment of our, of our corporate brand and our company culture? Because not, it's not always aligned. Oh, you know, there's that, that's such a great point. And, and, and I just want to share a story, Ernie, and maybe you can speak yeah, to that. But please, I remember at Southwest Airlines, which is here in the United States, that that's a, a, a you know, it's a regional airline that is is quite popular. And they have a, a, a very strong brand. I mean, fun environment, great place to work. Mm -hmm. They when they post a job, they get, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of applicants. Yeah, and they had hired one time a director of IT. Uh, apparently, they found this person who had a you know incredible, just all the skills that they were looking for. However, what happened is the the I think it was the the you know chief human resource officer checked in with them who hired him and said you know how was your how was your first day? It's like oh man, good except for everyone keeps stopping to talk to me and welcome me here. All of a sudden, red flags go up because here's the thing. Yeah. If the word gets out that this grumpy guy uh, he doesn't want to be talked to, which is antithetical to the, to the Southwest uh, brand, that mm -hmm. word gets out. They're not going to have thousands of applicants. They fired him the next day because not congruent with the brand. Ernie, what say mm -hmm. you? Dude, that is so right on. And, and what's interesting oftentimes is organizations think that branding is an external exercise. It's an external thing. We need to let our, or try to get our customers to think about us on this painted facade versus who we are. 
organizations need to drink the Kool-Aid they're selling. And, and the way to do that is to be like, be very intentional about onboarding brand education. So when you come on board, let me tell you about company X's brand. This is where we started. This is what we believe in. These are our values. And this is how we express those values. Now, if this is not part of who you think you are, you probably shouldn't be here. We don't want, we don't pretend to be something we're not on the outside, nor should we expect you as an employee to pretend to be something you're not to fit in here. You won't be happy. You won't be happy. You won't feel comfortable. And so what I, what I'm saying is you need to develop organizations need to develop a brand education platform for their employees. It's inward facing. And by the way, I went to monster, the bottling company, uh, the, the, or the brand for the energy drinks. I went to their headquarters in California before they brought any um, furniture in. By the way, the furniture is super cool. Before mm -hmm. they brought any furniture in, they had, it was like five, maybe four or five levels of concrete flooring. All right, concrete point. They brought in motorcycle riders that would burn donuts and spirals all over the concrete floor. Okay, and they go up to the next level. And so as you, and then they put in the furniture. And so as you're walking around and then they obviously after they did the burnouts on the concrete, they sealed it and the flooring and the concrete burnouts became part of their interior design, but it reflected their brand. They said, we are branded internally as well as externally. So they have signage, they have like cool textures and images and stuff to reinforce the brand on the inside. So that it becomes easier to express it on the outside. Yeah, I love I love that. I what I was doing in in Bend is I was actually working with a, a brand called Hum Kombucha. I don't know if you've heard of Hum. Okay. And uh, but one of the things that that they do to to strengthen that internally, that brand internally, is they have they're two founders and they've kind of stepped back. So they're not managing everything today, day to day, but they're part of the brand that just the, just the feel of the organization and what it stood for. They have the, the founders meet with every new employees. It's like you're part of a cohort when you're new wow. and they do it for three weeks. They have, um, uh, you know, workshops kind of like their, their little leadership, uh, cohort, but they do, yeah. and you get to meet with the founder, uh, as a brand new employee. So you get to have that connection to, to, yeah. to that person. So that's one of the ways that they infuse that, that brand to create that strong identity internally in that organization. But doesn't that take away time from the very important job that the CEO and the founder has to do? That is the job that they have to do. I mean, it, obviously well, there's- Don't they have more important things than wasting time with all these, these new employees? You yeah. know what I'm saying? It, you know what I'm it, driving it, at? Yeah, the, the, the long-term- uh, viability of that company is all it has to do with. Yeah. I wonder how many CEOs and presidents meet with employees, like not just stand in front of them and say, Hey, welcome to the team. Hey, I got an important business meeting to go to. I'm going to go and play golf with my buddies. Uh, so I'll see you later versus how many of them are actually sitting down with each one of them going, Hey, tell me about your family. Tell me what, uh, what, what inspires you? Why are you here? Well, we're glad to have you here. Wow. So, so that's really where this relates to team performance. Well, wh mm -hmm. what I'd like to transition to is talk a little bit about 
your personal brand? How, what, what is your experience with personal branding and how does that connect to what we're talking about here? Awesome. Yeah, my personal brand, it's kind of interesting because as I've been helping other businesses define theirs, it's it's like the cobbler's sons have no shoes. It, it, it's like I haven't, I didn't realize, I didn't focus intentionally on my brand until I became independent again. So four years ago, I left Maverick as their executive director of marketing. For eight years, I was there. But before that, I worked I, for 15 years with my own company. 10 of those was Maverick was one of my clients. So it's, I've been with uh, Maverick for a long time, but I'm no longer there. When I left and I was going to do some consulting and speaking and stuff like that, I became acutely aware of my personal brand and what that meant. And so what I had to do is just like I approach it the same way I would with any other company. One is what makes me unique? What makes me special? It's not my bald head because Spencer, you got the same haircut I do. Boom. Yeah. So we got, uh, we got the same haircuts. So that can't be my thing. Oh, the bald guy. What I found that and people would tell me, Ernie, dude, you're like 10 cans of Red Bull shaken up and spilled out all over the place. My energy level and my positivity was my, was my brand. And so how do I represent that visually to somebody? Well, one of the things that I think does that is like a spark, something that ignites. It's something small, but it has a lot of power in it. And so I used my nickname, Earnburn, that my twin brother gave me years ago. And I thought, what if I created a spark or fire motif to my brand? And so, and red is a great color for me, color for me because it is energy. It is powerful. It is aggressive, which is a lot like my own personality. And so I incorporated this um, positive energy into a visual it, it, flammable uh, icon. So you can see my like my logo here. It's the it's the flaming E to remind people about the energy that Earn Burn brings. So first of all, is to find out what it what is it about you as a person. This is we're talking about personal branding. What is it about you that's so different and so unique? And then the visual and verbal language to express that, you need to find what elements can I find? What can I borrow? What fonts, colors, textures, imagery, what can I do to represent that brand accurately to my audience so they go, dude, I know exactly what you're about. I love your soundtrack. <laughs> I could jam to it all day. Thank you. Well, I I I love what you've been telling us here, Ernie. I find it completely fascinating. You know, uh, as a person who's normally an introvert, uh, when I hear your experience, I I get a little bit gun shy. Maybe I'm a little bit reticent because because I think to myself, well, okay. Uh, personal brand fine but it seems a little bit self-promoting or or uh you know i i it's you know it sounds like it's a little bit kind of egocentric and that's not my thing you know so so how can i create a personal brand uh and in the context of team performance you know if i'm a leader of a of a of a business or i'm a leader of a team 
and my company's got its brand, but I, but I am my own unique person as yeah. well. How do I do that and overcome these feelings of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit shy about doing this because I don't want to be viewed as a, as a self promoter. And do I have to have a, a logo to be part of my brand? Right. Uh, you don't, obviously. So if you're an employee, you're a manager. Um, I think it's important to note that you may not be working for that company forever. And especially today, uh, you, um, it's not uncommon for you to jump around three to five years to a different organization. So what is it that you want people to say or think about you that is going to be part of your personal brand? Now, for, for example... Um, uh, brands often will go, my brand is whatever people think about me. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, secondary reaction to something that I'm not intentionally doing. Uh, that's my brand. Well, uh, that you're right. That is your brand, but what a poor misuse of stewardship. You're responsible for it. You just basically let it graze wherever it wanted to go. And it may not be grazing in the right pastures. So be a little more conscientious. So for example, if you're a, if you're a manager or an employee, you go, what, what do I want my peers to think or feel about me? And if you intentionally write it out, if I'm an employee, I want my managers and my, um, my coworkers to think, this guy's probably one of the hardest working and smartest work, smartest guys in the, um, in the, in the organization. Now, how do I, if that's what I want to have them think, what do I do to represent that brand, to be true to that brand? Well, if I want to be known as the hardest working guy, I'm probably going to be here before everybody else is. And I'll probably stay later than everybody else is that, that that's proof that I've been here. Now you don't have to do anything between the time you show up and the time you leave for people to think that you're working hard because you're working long hours. So that's part one. Part two is like, I have to research and really think deeply about my contribution to the company so that I can invest my best ideas and my best work for my employees, if I'm a manager and my coworkers. But if you don't define what it is that you want people to think and feel about you, how will you make the choices intentionally to get them to feel and think that way? It has nothing to do with what your, um, you know, if you have a logo, but I tell you what it does, uh, how you dress does make a very, very big difference. If you want people to think highly of you, you can't come in all schlumpy and like dirty or worn. Well, these, these jeans make me feel comfortable and I love these jeans. Well, guess what people are going to think about you? Oh, you're the guy that's comfortable at the expense of professional. That's if that's what you want, you're doing a great job. But don't be in a package that doesn't represent what you want to be. If you want to be professional and, and high energy or super positive, dress the part so that it makes it easy for us to see that. So that's so personal branding, I think, is about just like corporate branding. What do you want to be known for? And then put into action those tactics or those skills that will will bring those evidences to light so people will say oh my gosh ernie he's one of the hardest working guys we've got because he seems to be always working on projects and he's here first and he's the last to leave but or or it's like ernie's the funniest he makes things fun 
he's the funnest guy we have here. I don't care what kind of contribution he makes financially. Dude, he's just positive. And so what do you do to make someone feel like you're the positive guy? You talk about them. You research on how to do that. You read seven, uh, You read how to win friends and influence people. You become a master of those things. Well, you know, you, you, you said a, a couple things that are, are, and you're all of those things. What's, what's interesting is you said, you know, people will associate with a brand and, and, and other people will associate with that. And so that becomes part of your identity that either uh, repels or reinforces your commitment to the organization, to the team is what I heard. And the same thing is true with you working with a, with, with a leader. You want to work with someone that represents your ideals. I, I, I've talked a lot about a, a mentor of mine, uh, Kelvin Cullimore, st uh, still alive, great, great leader. And, you know, he taught me so much, but I, I identify with his servant leadership, with his hardworking commitment and care for others and always was, you know, always thinking about what he did and how that impacted other, other people. I wanted to be associated with that. And so in today's world, we're looking for values. We're looking for brands. We're looking for environments where we feel at home, where we feel comfortable, where we feel val uh, validated is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of, you, you're drawn to brands that are some of your personalities, you know? Um, brands aren't about the company. The brands are about you. The reason you buy a brand is because you want you want others to know about your um, your values and your personality. Uh, there are how many different makes and models of cars. If if we were buying cars for functionality, there'd be one brand of pickup, one kind of economy car, one kind of luxury car, one kind of SUV. Because you know what, all I need is to get from point A to point B with a pickup because I got a Tosa, I got to bring something. Well, why are there like 30 different or 50 different make and models of pickups? It's because they have, they represent the utility in a brand personality that people want to be associated with. That's, that's why it's not, they don't, they don't, they convince themselves it's because of the functionality. Well, the, you know, the Dodge 3500 is way better than the Ford 350. You know, it's like, well, it probably does the same job. Very, very little differences, but the Dodge personality and the Ford personality are different. And so you, Android or iPhone, they do the same things. You can call people up. I mean, the functionality is the same. There's different ways of doing it, but you can still call people up. You can still conference call. You can still do everything, do your schedules, calendars, everything, surf the net. But what do you want people to think about you in terms of what brand you have. So as a, as an Apple user, I want people to think of me as creative. I want people to think of me as, um, designy. Um, I'm maybe a little more fluent. Whereas someone who buys Android says, I don't believe in fluff. I believe in functionality. I, you know, see what I'm saying? And so me, I don't hang out with functional people. I hang out with creative people. That's my per that's my world. It's not I, I, I engineers engineers and I are like oil and water, but creative people we get along great, and so it's an easy way to identify each other based on the brands that we surround ourselves with. 
All right. Well, I have to tell you, I recently converted to iPhone from Android. Oh, oh my god! I've been an Android user for a very, very long time. But the reason I converted was because my wife eventually converted to iPhone and she just wanted to airdrop stuff or make it really easy to, to share things. <laughs> and I actually went and bought a new Android phone and she about bit my head off. She said, no, you're not. You're going to take that thing back and you're getting an iPhone. So what I didn't do it because I identify with iPhone people. I did it to just keep my wife happy. Yeah, you had to, you were forced into a culture, dude. You you were that's forced a good, into a culture. From... That's right. That's a good. That, but that, that's a good team, though. Sometimes we gotta. Sometimes we gotta take one for the team. I mean, it's not all about that's you know right. me and and my Android. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I what well, the gosh, guys. Uh, well, the 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 iPhone was marginally more expensive than the Android mm -hmm. phone, but you know, I was looking for a high end Android phone. But that you know, that's neither here nor there. Well, we're up against it here, Ernie. Gosh, we could have Dang this conversation it. for hours. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we've, we've got some time constraints here. That being said, uh, it's been a joy having you on with us today, Ernie. Thank you. If people want to learn more about the work that you do to help uh, companies define their brands, to create strategies that allow them to connect to their, uh, to their customers as well as their employees, what's the best way for them to reach out and to get in touch with you? There's two ways. Find me on LinkedIn. It's Ernie Harker. There are not very many Ernie Harkers. Just don't look for Bernie Parker because that guy always has my dinner reservation. He's always <laughs> getting my dinner reservation. So I have to go up and say, did you say Bernie Parker? Yeah, that's Ernie Harker. That's me. So find ErnieHarker.com. And then the or, second one is um, uh, just go to LinkedIn. You'll find me on Ernie Harker LinkedIn. There's not very many of us. Okay. All right. Fantastic, Ernie. Thank you very much. We'll be looking you up right away. Spencer, if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing with teams and how you can help them develop high-performing teams, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Hey, I fixed those broken teams, man. That is Altium Leadership, A-L-T-I-U-M Leadership.com. And you know what? You have a, a, a great tool to help build brand, Christian. How, tell us just briefly about that. Well, uh, what we do is help people crowdsource their story. So, uh, you know, we, we spend a lot of time and effort uh, trying to figure out our own story and our own brand. Uh, but ultimately, uh, people put a lot of faith in customers. And so, you know, we provide a way for people to get feedback uh, from their customers in a natural conversational way. And uh, you can find out Christian, more about us. That was awesome. By, uh, Christian, I got to just interrupt you real quick, just because you didn't ask me to do this. But that Rakanto software is so, so slick. It is so cool. It's so easy to get. Um, this is not paid advertising, by the way. <laughs> Christian did not know I was going to say this, but it is so important to get people visually to tell other people about your product and service. Nobody wants to hear it from you. And so it is so easy to go, hey, um, will you just uh, do this quick video for me? And it's so hard getting someone to pull out their iPhone and go, now, what did you want me to say? But, you know, Christian, your software is like freaking genius in this uh, in this industry. It makes it so easy. I've Sorry. Been I've been, Ernie, I've been telling people that for, for years now. And they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're listening now. Oh, good. Good. So sorry. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, both of you, for your very kind, unpaid endorsements. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy you dinner. 
Let's do that. Uh, people can find Bernie me. Parker. Uh, yeah, Bernie Parker, the reservation for Bernie Parker. Uh, yeah, so you can come uh, to my LinkedIn, Christian Napier, or you can visit us at our website, raconto.io. That's R-A-K-O-N-T-O dot I-O. Ernie and Spencer, it has been an absolute joy to have uh, this conversation with both of you today. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll catch you again soon.